You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. Hey everyone, it's Call Me Adam, broadcasting on the Broadway Podcast Network. On today's episode of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam, I am recording at the Houdini Museum in New York City with award-winning cabarettist Molly Pope. Molly's show, Polly Mope, will be playing at Joe's Pub on Monday, March 16th at 7 p.m., so stay tuned. Hi, Molly. Hi, Adam. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm well. It's so great to have you here. It's so good to see you again. Yes. It's been a year since we've seen each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Last we saw each other, you were doing King Kong. The making of King Kong. The making of King Kong. We should specify. Yes, we should specify. Mm -hmm. That's right, because there was King Kong on Broadway. So Mm -hmm. this was the making of King Kong. In Sunset Park. Yes. And I love that show. You were so great in there. Thank you. And we got a real little treat before the show. You did a nice little cabaret set. Oh, right that's before. right. We had like an issue. Yeah, yes. we made it work. We d- I was sure not did. expecting to do that set before the show, but lo and behold, I did. You did. And it was fantastic because it got to introduce my boyfriend to your beautiful voice early. Oh, wonderful. Yes. A new fan. Yes, definitely. So um, now we've done a few interviews together over the years, but for my new listeners out there who may not be familiar with your extraordinary talent, which I would be surprised if you're not familiar, um, let's just talk about how you got your start. Uh, sure. So I guess who or what inspired you to be a singer, actress? Um, I'll try I'll try to give you like the 10 cent tour. Okay. Um, I thought I was going to be an Olympic swimmer for most of my uh, childhood and adolescence. Mm-hmm. Um, but then come freshman year of high school, things happen, things change. And on a bit of a whim, I auditioned for the spring musical and I was cast as Dolly Levi in Hello, Dolly. So, you know, the rest is history, as they say. Uh, I went to NYU. I was a musical theater reject at NYU, which ultimately was fine by me. So I went to the Stella Adler Conservatory of Acting and I did transfer track at ETW and I did viewpoints and then I was drop kicked out into uh, the wilds of New York City. And... um, you know, within a year or so, I sort of realized uh, it's not that I'm not talented. It's just that I keep hearing you're not old enough for your talent. Wait 10 or 15 years mm-hmm. and you'll be in your prime and you'll be, you know, wonderful. And a, a lot of it had to do with um, my singing voice, which is, I, I feel like is really tenor. It's not mm-hmm. even alto. It's actually lower. So, um, and nobody really seemed... Uh, I, I was basically uncastable at that point, mm. given how I looked, but then how I sounded. And that was uh, a friend encouraged me to do a cabaret show because I could sing whatever I want, mm-hmm. regardless of role, gender, age, et cetera, et cetera. And I could sing it in whatever key I wanted mm-hmm. and not be judged for that. So that was how I wound up doing my first cabaret show, I think it was 2007, <laughs> called <laughs> The Diva-lution of Molly Pope. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's where it started. Yes. I was really proud of that title, <laughs> you know, because it's like diva-lution, but then it's also like devolving. I was really, mm. really proud of that title. I love that. Uh, and from there, I just kept uh, doing cabaret. And my modus operandi for many years was sing anywhere anyone will let you. Mm-hmm. And that uh, that 
served me very well on many fronts. I got asked to do super cool stuff like um, Our Hit Parade, which was a show mm. that happened at Joe's Pub uh, for four years, a monthly show. And um, I sort of, I mean, I have done shows. I've done some off-Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. I've actually been cast in stuff. But I'd say over the past, maybe we could even say five years, it's slowly become clearer and clearer and clearer that I really am a solo performer. Mm. And that really is the best showcase for my talents. Mm -hmm. I like doing plays. I mean, it is really fun to just like, my job is to show up on time and know my lines. That that (laughs) is sometimes just like, that's wonderful, as opposed to being chief cook and bottle washer, which, you know, even when you have uh, uh, people producing you and how, like you're still, if it's a solo show, then to a certain extent, you know, you're still producing and in charge of it. Yes. so I said, and I'm still doing, you know, the good old cabaret type of thing. I'm doing a monthly residency at the duplex this spring. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Molly Pope, a gay man and a piano. I love it's it. Back to basics. We just, uh, we just uh, had the um, inaugural show last night at the duplex. And uh, you can find all of the dates at www.mollypope.com. Um, yeah. So that's how I wound up doing what I was doing. I got tired of waiting for someone else to give me an opportunity mm-hmm. and just started doing it for myself. I that, mean, listen, I don't mean to pretend like there weren't like countless music directors who helped me and a million people who helped me. I don't mean to like, yes, no, of course. There's a lot of people that go into making a one person show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. So I don't mean, I do not mean it to sound like I did it all myself. No, um, but you, you I did created the, dis- the opportunities yeah. for yourself. Yeah. Yes. And you made the decision like, I'm going to do this solo as opposed to continuing to audition 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 mm-hmm. audition so i commend you for it and i think it's great and i've seen some of your shows and they're always fantastic because you do have one of the most stellar voices i have ever heard thank you you're welcome you're welcome so now that people know a little bit about you mm-hmm. let's start talking about this new show coming to joe's pub called poly mope mm-hmm. um what can you tell us about this show um well uh, you know, the the joke is Molly Pope, Polly Mope, and that device is, uh, they're called Spoonerisms, where mm-hmm. you swap the first letter or the first couple letters of a two-word phrase, and uh, my dad was a big fan of them growing up, so Merry mm-hmm. Christmas was Carrie Mismas, Burger King was Kerger Bing, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I came up with a really good one the other day, Nooks and Crannies is Crooks and Nannies. Oh my God, I love that. So my brain oftentimes will just automatically do that when I see a, a two-word phrase. Um, and I kind of, you know, I had it, the idea of doing something with this more than 10 years ago, I started really thinking about, um, and, uh, I reached a point where I knew like I had all these theoretical things about maybe it could be this. And I even got as far as I feel like eight years ago, like starting to put together a set list, Mm -hmm. but I got to the point where I, you know, it's that thing of like, you're not going to work on it until you have a deadline. Right. As in like, until you slap this title on a set and you have to do a show. Mm-hmm. So one of the years that I went to do the Afterglow Festival, uh, which takes place in Provincetown. Yes. Um, I at- saw you a few years ago. At oh, that really? One. Yes. Oh. Yes. Um, so it takes place after Labor Day, hence the title Afterglow. And it is a, a cabaret festival, a series of cabaret shows. And that was the first time I just was like, doesn't, kind of doesn't matter what it is you just need to put this as a title of a show and that will officially be when you start working on it and it is 
crazy the life of a show <laughs> and how it changes mm-hmm. um that it started out as a, a set of all covers mm-hmm. um and now is a solo musical of all original music wow that's incredible yeah that's quite an evolution yeah it was yeah and one that was completely new to me yes what, what was that process like to write the music or co-write the music well uh so i had a series of you know it's like everything leads to everything yes so you know i did afterglow festival i had done afterglow and afterglow has a partnership with the oberon space at art Mm. and they also do globeron which is you know sort of bringing afterglow shows to oberon so i had done that with a previous show and there i met um ari barbanel who Mm -hmm. at that point was involved with the orchard project Mm -hmm. so that was how i wound up going to the orchard project um and at the orchard project we actually there were silent films in the show at that point and we shot the silent films they are no longer part of the show again like who could have foreseen that so uh after the orchard project the next step uh oh i applied to a working group at the public Mm -hmm. and uh it was a really good opportunity for me to really just like okay let's like sit down and write what you think this thing is and submit it. And I got a very polite, thanks a lot, but no thanks. About two minutes later, I got an email from Shanta Thake, who at the time was the artistic director uh, of Joe's Pub and has now moved on to a different position within the public theater. Okay. And uh, she said, basically, I think this project would be really good for this residency that we have in partnership with the Kimmel Center in Philadelphia. Mm. And it was at that point that I thought if there was ever a time to try doing original music now would be the time Mm -hmm. because I also you know I wanted to evolve I mean I love doing the like kind of mid-century recontextualizing pop songs cabaret thing but I also don't want to do that forever I wanted to at least try to evolve and Mm -hmm. it was very much like this might not work at all but I think I should at least see what happens um, so, uh, 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 co- coinciding with that, cause I have never written a song mm-hmm. in my life and I, I do not play any instruments. I thought I'm going to ask other people that I know who have written songs to write songs with me. Mm-hmm. And part of the thinking behind that was also to kind of want to kind of retain a, a kind of cabaret and that these are songs that I wrote with all different people. Mm-hmm. So I want it to sound like a really good mixtape. With you know my um, you know my my literal voice, but also like my creative voice is the through line that is is present in all of these different songs. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was I started the first song that I wrote. I wrote with Erido Cremida um, because I just trust her so much, mm-hmm. and I felt so vulnerable and so like a tiny uh, you know baby rabbit left alone in the wilderness. <laughs> and I um, I. I took it from there and every songwriting recipe was different mm-hmm. you know for one song I sent uh, my friends Jim Andralis and Larry Crone I sent them you know this is what this moment in the show is this is what the song wants to be and mm-hmm. here is a list of all the thoughts and feelings I have about it and then they came to me with uh, the song that they wrote within those parameters other songs um, so my music director slash collaborator is Matt Ament, mm-hmm. and we wrote a lot of songs together. I love Matt. Uh, who doesn't? So I great. mean, really, who doesn't? And we actually, I knew him, but we got hooked up 
uh, at the Orchard Project oh, because okay. I didn't have a music director there, uh-huh. and he was there working with Martha Graham Cracker, mm. and so I, they very kindly let me sort of siphon off some of his time and energy. So that was how Matt and I started working together, and we wrote the majority of the songs he and I wrote together. And you know, there's one song called "Robbed" that I basically he orchestrated it underneath it because I had wow. written the song, uh-huh. melody, all of it, blah, 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 blah. So in that case, um, he just sort of filled in everything around that. Uh, and then I wrote a song with Lance Horn, and that was a very much like together in the moment. It was based on this poem I had written years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Nash and I wrote a song mm. that was probably the most laughter in a creative writing songwriting <laughs> session I've had so far. Um, who else? Oh, I wrote a song with Martha Redbone, who's mm. an absolutely stunning performer. Um, and just it, it, really incredible to work with these different people and to have them take me seriously. That yes. was also a big, yes. a big thing. And have them uh, uh, bring their best to the table for mm-hmm. it. It felt, it felt a little bit surreal. Yeah. Um, and they're also accomplished. I mean, you, yeah. you, you, you've wor- you're working with like the cream of the crop. <laughs> yeah. It's not just like some, some Joe Schmo. I mean, you are working with the premier songwriters. Yeah, with some so, really, really, really yes, great people. Yes. Mm-hmm. So wonderful. I'm like even more excited now for the show. Yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, the show premiered at the Kimmel Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was developed, like you said, at the... Afterglow Festival through the Orchard Project. Oh, and then I forgot uh, Greenwich House Music School. Yes. Which was another step along the way. Yes. So what is it like to develop a show through all of these different processes as opposed to um, just working with your collaborator? I mean, how does everybody's, how does all these different places influence the creation of the show? I... This it was this was completely completely new territory for me because mm-hmm. all of the cabaret shows I had done up until then were you know just me and a music director mm-hmm. just figuring out putting it together and I often didn't work with uh, a director mm-hmm. also just like mm. figure it out as you go um, so for this it it was a little um, jarring at first because I was like wait you're just giving me a room to like do stuff in <laughs> okay. Okay. I felt so, I also, well, the Orchard Project was wonderful, um, uh, you know, because I was sat down and taken very seriously. Mm. Uh, and, you know, Molly, what's your process? And I was like, I get stoned and listen to music with the cat. <laughs> that's, like, that, that, that's my process. Uh, so it, it kind of started with being taken seriously as a creative person in a way that I really never had. Um and I quickly, you know, tried to, tried to, all right, let's start living up to that. The thing that has been incredible is the stuff that you think you would never in a million years cut from the show that then, like, I shot two silent films at the Orchard Project, you know, like on an iPhone. We're not talking right, like right. big budget. It was all, you know, but that they, they're not part of it anymore, but maybe they'll be part of something someday. But, you know, these things that I thought were like core to this project that, uh, you know, I ultimately let go of because wow. they were not serving the story. Um, and the, so the Kimball Center was really, um, really important, again, because the conversations that I had with people, you know, uh, uh, with uh, one specifically with um, Ethan Lipton, and he said, so what is the, what is the question that you're asking with this piece? Mm-hmm. 
And I originally had this really convoluted answer that was actually related to uh, the song, uh, what is it? Uh, work the wound from passing strange and about, you know, like if an artist has trauma in their life, is it inevitable that they will explore that in their work? Mm. And Ethan was like, okay, but (laughs) (laughs) he said, is there any, is there a more universal question? And the first thing that came out of my mouth was how do you get through the night? Mm. And for lack of knowing how else to continue working on the piece, because I had some songs written, um, the director there uh, said to me, go whole hog for that. You might hate it, but just like go whole hog for that concept. And lo and behold, the 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 show is uh, over the course of one night in my apartment mm-hmm. alone. Mm-hmm. So it just, uh, I'm very glad that I was like, all right, fine, I'll do this stupid <laughs> exercise. It's so dumb, I don't wanna do it. That ultimately like completely unlocked the entire, um, kind of the entire show and gave me that structure upon which to hang everything. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's incredible. Priceline presents, go to your happy price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy prize, Priceline. Febreze is a proud partner of Can't Cancel Pride. However you choose to express yourself, Febreze has the perfect scent to make your home even more fabulous in your own unique way. Have an amazing pride from Febreze. Yeah. And it's it's great that you that you did take that step to be like, I'm going to do it, even though you may not have wanted to at first. You did, and look at what it became. Right, yeah, yeah. like just don't, because again, it was that just because I do the exercise does not mean that I've committed to what I create, right. so just do it. Right. And in this case, it uh, was really helpful. That's incredible. I love it. I love I love all this like behind the scenes stuff. Oh, BTS, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I'm not very, anyway, uh, I can't believe that I actually know what that means, because I don't know what most of them mean. No, me neither, but that one I do know. <laughs> Um, so as you actually just mentioned, the show is described, uh, as a wry look inside what can happen when you find yourself stuck alone Mm -hmm. with yourself on a long sleepless night. So how does this, how did creating this show maybe help you not have so many sleepless nights? Well, the, the night in quotation marks referred to in the show is both a literal night and a metaphorical Mm. night. So for me, it's much more the metaphorical night because I actually don't have that much trouble sleeping except for the cat. Um, <laughs> so for me, it was really that, uh, the, the metaphorical night. Mm-hmm. And also for me, that involves frequently a ride on the bipolar coaster mm. because I am manic bipolar too. And uh, what the show did is um, force me. I mean, I don't like to use the word force, mm-hmm. but it put me in a position to be open about that. Mm. Because if you're, 
going to write a show that is in part about having a mental illness and emotional disorder. I'm never quite sure what label I'm supposed to use yeah. for it, what the category actually is. Um, then you're going to, you're going to have to be open about it and talk mm -hmm. about it. And it has been, you know, like even in this moment, I'm thinking people are going to hear this mm -hmm. and they're going to know this about me. Mm -hmm. And that's still, I, I'm not going to not say it, but it, it continues to be, uh, uh, like, yeah, you're going to do this. Mm -hmm. And yeah, when the show premiered in Philadelphia last year, there were interviews and it was, you know, in, in publications and felt like you, you've committed to this mm -hmm. and you, there's no going back. And I am, I am fine with that, but it continues to, uh, to sort of, uh, it, so far it doesn't get old mm -hmm. to just, well, I think it, it helps so many people, you, you know, other people who, who, are going through a similar situation or who also are manic or have bipolar, just knowing that there are other people out there who experience similar things to them, I think helps everybody. So I think just by talking about it and having it out there, it also takes the stigma off of it. Of Well, that was, you know, because honestly, for a while, I found it very difficult to work on the show because it mm -hmm. felt so... Um, masturbatory because mm -hmm. it's like oh me 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 but when I thought about it that the notion that this could be helpful to other people mm -hmm. uh was what was like okay I can do this yeah. because it's not completely self-serving and another thing um that uh Shanta talked to me about in Philadelphia was you know what are the ways in which this piece is incredibly specific but then what are the ways in which this piece is really universal mm -hmm that uh, really also helped expand how I thought about the trajectory of the show and the different parts of it and how it goes from, you know, the song that I wrote with Brian Nash is called Getting Home. Mm -hmm. And it's like the theme song of, you know, you get home and you're going to do all this stuff and then you don't do any of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, there's like, I, a lot of people have been like, oh yes, yes, oh yes, oh yes. And then you yes. just like wind up sitting and staring at the wall for hours. Yes. Uh, but then there are... Uh, the chunk of the show that is very, very, very specifically about um, aspects of my experience of mm -hmm. being manic bipolar too. I think it's going to be, I, I'm excited to see how it's presented. Mm -hmm. And I, I really do think that it's just, it's going to help so many people because when you put yourself out there like that, that's when like the real help for everybody comes through. Yeah. There, I, it has, it has been a double-edged sword mm -hmm. in that I have had, Many people, some, it's been upsetting, but articulate to me, you shouldn't talk about this mm. because people won't want to work with you and people won't want to cast you. Mm. And that actually ties into the solo performer nature of it, which is, you know, it's this thing of, I'm open about it because, and it took me a long time, but I have taken responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. And I often try to think of it as like, well, if it, it is this, in some, this is not a perfect comparison, but like mm -hmm. diabetes, mm -hmm. where this is something that I have to deal with in my life um, that requires maintenance mm -hmm. and requires me to be aware of things, requires me to be aware in situations or really keep a close close tabs on my you know emotional state a lot. But that me talking about it and being open about it is because I uh, I have a much better handle on mm -hmm. it, especially in terms of how uh, the things that I need to do in order to be able to function. Yes. Well, yes. and and you should be open about that to people because then it lets them know also what you need and well, what, what they can do to help you as well in those situations. And if you find this and you don't want to work with me, great. Then we should not work right, together. Right. 
I mean, it's part of who you are. So you can't, you can't, you can't deny it. You can't, you know, pretend you can't, I mean, you can, you can deny it. You can pretend it's not there, but like you said, owning it is what, it, what helps you. For me, the thing that, uh, stuck and continues to stick as sort of, uh, you know, you really need to check in with this is, am I presenting my situation as honestly as I can? Mm. Cause it's also like, I mean, I, I was like, I, am I, am I going to just like try to have a manic episode on stage? There was stuff that felt like that doesn't this, so there, it's continuing. And I'm actually like, working on a whole a new a new song for like a whole big important moment because mm. I haven't quite I don't feel like I have quite yet captured how I want to communicate what a manic episode feels like for me because mm. that's the other thing is that this is from a very specific my point of view mm-hmm. I am not mm-hmm. speaking for anyone else's experience of any kind of mental illness I I that was the other thing was consistently being like make sure you are not you know, doing it, making any blanket statements Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. using any umbrellas, like make sure what you are putting into this show is specific and true to your experience. Yes. That's a very good point to bring up that it it is specific to you and and you wouldn't want anyone to, to think this is how it is for everybody. No, absolutely not. Different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We are going to combine the magic of the Houdini museum Uh and and Polly Mope. Mm -hmm. So let's find out how you would answer this famous quote of Houdini's. Mm -hmm. So Houdini says, my brain is the key that sets me free. How with writing this show, do you feel your brain got set free? Well, I actually finally, after I don't, you know, uh, dealing with uh, mental illness in some form since I was 12, I actually like did my homework about Mm. what is involved specifically in being manic bipolar too, because, you know, denial takes a lot of forms. Yes. And for me, one of them was like not taking the time to actually get into the specifics of what this means. So, you know, in this Mm. case, I am manic bipolar two. There's also manic bipolar one. And the, you know, the really condensed version is manic bipolar one, you have a lot more highs Mm -hmm. and a lot more behavior that is potentially very dangerous Mm. uh, to yourself, like feeling invincible. Manic bipolar two is just like so much depression. Mm. So like, so I rarely experience like the super happy high, Mm -hmm. but I much more frequently just like drop Mm. way down. So, uh, working on the show, uh, like, and you know, it's also my brain chemistry. So it all sort of like swirled together. Um, but the thing that I think, uh, if, you know, like I flatter myself, what I would want people to take away from the show is that, uh, well, I have, I have problems with phrases like getting over it, putting mm-hmm. it behind me, mm. processing it, because there are things that happen in life that I don't, that doesn't, I don't think that's very helpful. Mm-hmm. Like there are things in everybody's life, they, they don't go away. Right. Your relationship to them changes, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a death in the family, a divorce, you know, any number of things that I think that there's a lot of language that's used that is not very helpful because it puts undue pressure on you to just like, you know, put it in a box and lock it away when that's not, that's not very realistic so that that's not helpful at all. And also everybody has this stuff. Everybody has this stuff. So in this instance, my hope would be that they're like, Oh, okay. So for her, 
it's that she's manic bipolar too. But for me, that thing is X, Y, or Z. Mm. Um, the last song of the show is called Shit Happens. I love that. Because, you know. It does. And, and what, you know, everybody deals with it in their different mm-hmm. ways. Yes. Uh, but ultimately, everybody is going through something. Yes, that is very true. Well, we're up to the last question already. Okay. It goes so fast with it you. It does. I, oh. love, I love talking to you. That's what my boyfriend says. <laughs> oh, but I'm Okay. <laughs> so I always end my interviews by playing off of the title of my podcast, Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. So if you were to bear it all and reveal something about yourself that you have not told in a previous interview, what would you share with me today? I mean, I feel like you have shared a lot already, mm-hmm. but there has to be something else. I... Um, I don't know how, I haven't quite figured it out, but I would really like to find a way into the field of urban ecology. Mm. I love that. And it's actually tied to working on polymope because, you know, there are fun times and there are sad times in the show, but I I kept getting feedback of like, we never see you happy. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Duly noted. So I did the classic exercise of what makes me happy. And, you know, the first answer was, Dorian, but then I was like, no, because he wakes me up at 6.30 in the morning. That's not. And where I landed was my plants. I have like 26 house plants. Mm. And that caring for them gives me just endless happiness and endless joy. And uh, watching them grow and checking in with them. So uh, we added a moment to the show uh, about the plants and how they just, you know, I... I love taking care of my plants. And um, that got me thinking about, you know, what, as my career continues to figure out what it is, Mm -hmm. shall we say, uh, and I have to pay the bills, I would be very interested in working in a field, um, plant-related, but that I, I also would like to do something that is helpful to the world in general. Mm -hmm. And urban ecology isn't going anywhere. Right. And, uh, you know, there's the program that is repopulating the mussels in the East River. Mm. There's so many, and rooftop gardening. And, you know, I'm being honest. I have no idea how I'm going to get into that field because we all know I'm not going to do like (laughs) undergrad biology. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, So this is still a very new, I haven't formulated a plan of action yet, and I haven't really talk to that many people about it yet but mm-hmm. i really 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 would like and who knows maybe it might be the receptionist at uh, uh, an organization fine that could be a start fine yeah however i can find my way into that or you know like if somebody could just let bet midler know that i would be interested in helping with the parks of new york city yes i would happily uh jump on that as well well i think you did just let her know because i'm sure she listens to this obviously. podcast yeah obviously i do have one w- one potential entry into the field really yes um there is a little show right now playing at the west side theater <laughs> called little shop oh, <laughs> You know, maybe they need uh, an Audrey. They, you know, I mean, I don't know how long Tammy Blanchard I mean, is contracted you for. Got, with my voice, it would be Audrey too. Oh, yeah. yes, yes. But hey, it could you be Audrey know. one as well. Uh, yeah, we could, uh, we could, um, you know, True West it. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Be really deep and meaningful. Yeah. Audrey and Audrey too, like rotate. I love that. Get out of the way, little foxes. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, well... We'll hope that Bette Midler hears this. Mm-hmm. On the chance that she doesn't, Little Shop of Horrors is, a, is an option. Otherwise, 
you'll figure out. Otherwise, come to, to Joe's Pub yeah, on March exactly, 16th. Exactly. <laughs> and um, well, that was going to be my, my tagline is everybody okay. listening to this podcast, come see Molly's show, Polly Mope. March 16th, 7 p.m. I'll have the ticket link up on callmeadam.com. Thank you. And thank, thank you, Adam, for uh, being the wonderful person that you are and oh. taking the time to interview and do and do these things for people in all stripes of performative creativity because there aren't... It's just... It's a tremendous thing and it's tremendously helpful and I think that we all thank you. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I'm thrilled <laughs> to be able to do it. And we'll see everyone at Joe's Pub. Yeah, guys. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's had him at all the place for the business of show. Call me Adam.com. Thanks for listening. For more Call Me Adam interviews, visit callmeadam.com. And follow me on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CallMeAdamNYC. Office Depot Office Max has great deals on everything you need to succeed, like stylish furniture and chairs to keep you working comfortably, the latest tech to keep you organized and productive, calendars and planners to keep you on schedule, and cleaning supplies to keep your space spotless. It's the perfect time to stock up on the supplies you need to succeed from the office to your home and everywhere in between. Need it fast? No problem. Place your order at officedepot.com and pick it up in just 20 minutes at your nearest Office Depot or Office Max store.